We want to encourage you to stand and shake hands, especially if you see someone that's visiting with us. Let's do that right now, please. Look, you know that uh, on Sundays we have deacons that come and pray. Um, Linwood obviously is a deacon, and he's going to come and pray. But he said, I don't know if I can come and pray this morning because I hurt my foot this week. I had never heard that excuse before in my life. And I just, I just, I want to say, Linwood, that was very original. (laughs) Is that where your brain's at and your foot? Linwood's going to lead us in prayer. I didn't quite say it like that. (laughs) Told him it would take me a few minutes to get here. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this wonderful day. Dear Lord, we're thankful that we can come to your house and have laughter and enjoy being here, dear Lord. We love the freedom that you give us. And dear Lord, we ask you to be with us each day that we'll do something around someone to bring them close to you. Let us be a light for you. And dear Lord, we ask a special prayer for everybody that's in this room. You know all the concerns and all the needs. And dear Lord, we just ask you to be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. We appreciate it. Look, we're glad to see you, especially if you visit with us. And if you are here for the first time, if you'd fill out one of the visitor's cards, we would appreciate it. If you have any special prayer requests, if you would list those, we will honor those also. Um, Several thank you notes. Uh, First of all, Bert and Linda Sherman, who had the blood drive, and this is actually on the back of the bulletin, um, they had 34 donors this past uh, Sunday. Uh, The goal had been 31, and so they wanted uh, you to know how much they appreciate it, whether you were able to give blood or not. Thank you for supporting this very worthwhile cause. Also, Ellen Melton and her family have sent a thank you card expressing appreciation for the love and support of the church uh, in in John's death. And I personally want to thank uh, all who prepared and served the meal last Sunday night. And I just thank you for those of you that were able to be here. Uh, Thank you so much for coming to that time of worship and celebration. This morning, quickly looking at uh, this coming week, uh, the GAs will meet today. There's a mother and a GA and mother, and I think grandmother's invited too, at 2 o'clock in the fellowship hall. We will have the Awanas tonight as well as the youth and the evening worship at 6 o'clock. Uh, the finance committee will begin uh, working on the 2017 budget on Monday night at 7. Please lift them up in prayer. Uh, the Redeemed Bible Study on Tuesday, the Wednesday night services, and also next Saturday is the stew for uh, the senior citizens and or to raise money for the senior citizens' Christmas supper. If you haven't yet turned your order in, they ask that you would fill this form out and fill it in today, and the stew will be ready by 11 o'clock next Saturday morning. 
Next Sunday, uh, Brian O'Day, who is a pastor at the Pillar Church of Jacksonville, North Carolina, will speak at both the 8.30 and the 11 o'clock service. He is the pastor of the military church where a number of our, our mission groups have gone and served and helped that church. And he had asked for the opportunity to come and share their ministry as well as to thank the church for their participation in their ministry. The fall festival is Monday the 31st, beginning with a hot dog supper at 5.30, and then the games and prizes at 6.30. There are uh, boxes around the church where if you would like to give uh, to uh, candy for that, that would be greatly welcomed. Also notice uh, that the... uh, GAs will go to Crew, Virginia on Saturday the 5th, uh, Saturday, November the 5th, and we'll have the World Day of Prayer on Monday, November the 7th at Providence Baptist Church. Please don't forget uh, to bring items for the Hurricane Matthew disaster relief. I- I'm, I'm thinking they took the, the, the trailer yesterday down to Red Springs, and I was thinking, are they going to bring that trailer back, or was that the only time that it's going to be out here? Can anybody answer that? Another trailer is going next week. Okay, okay. Thank you, Chris. Um, a new Bible study that begins next month uh, because of Bethlehem. If you'd like information on that, see Penny Blanks or Patty Clayton. Folks, there are many folks that we need to lift up to the Lord in prayer this morning. And so let me just, there's going to be a a lot of names called out. Um, First of all, let me ask you to add at Duke Regional Hospital, Betty Bray. Betty suffered a couple of strokes yesterday, and she is in the intensive care unit at Duke Regional. Also at Duke Regional, we have been asked to pray for Shirley Meadows, who is uh, Jackie Westbrook's sister-in-law, Jackie and A.G.'s sister-in-law. Uh, please remember um, at the Pruitt Rehab, Bud Hall, at the Pettigrew Rehab, Joe Lee, at the Hillcrest Rehab, Teresa Bose. Teresa was in a motorcycle accident uh, last Sunday night, was in Duke uh, all of the week until Friday. Uh, she's had surgery during the week and will have surgery again probably in the near future. But please remember her. Uh, please remember Glenn Blalock's dad, Jack Blalock who is Jack Blalock Sr., who is in the VA hospital and is scheduled to be transferred to Roxburgh Hospital Annex or extended care tomorrow. Uh, please remember Lance Chambers' dad, J.W., who, um, who was in a logging accident on Monday and had to have surgery this past week, two surgeries actually. Uh, he is still at Duke but out of the intensive care unit. Please remember Lou Woodson who is the mother of Faye Lockhart. Faye and her daughter Dana have been coming to our church. She is at Duke. Um, Leslie Ladd, who had been in uh, UNC Hospital in Chapel Hill, has been transferred to UNC Hospital in Hillsboro. They've got a new smaller hospital in Hillsboro, and she's going to be there uh, for probably four more weeks. So please keep lifting her up in prayer. Ronnie Shepard was at Duke this past week and had a stent put in. He is back at home. Uh, Billy Brooks was in Chapel Hill Hospital. He, too, is back at home. Please remember Geraldine Solomon and Barbara Winstead as they continue treatments. 
please remember also at home uh, Rick Allen, Weldon, and Helen Bowes. Franklin Briggs is, Briggs is here today, but he's been sick at home. Remember him. Uh, Faye Carver, I failed to mention, Faye had surgery on Friday at, at Duke, and she came home yesterday. Uh, Doug and Linda Carver, uh, Benny Clayton, who, who is now at home, uh, Michael Clayton, Becky Lee's brother, who is in Duke Regional, he is at home. Uh, Betty, Betty Race Gentry, Helen Hackler, Alton Reeves, Ricky Robertson, Red Siemens is having a series of tests. That is Sandra's husband, Brenda Stegall, uh, Pam and Mandy Stobel. That is Faye Rudd's daughters. Both of them um, are undergoing some medical problems. Matthew Thornburg. Charles Westbrook, Texie Wren, Donna Wilburn, Rick Wolbert, Donald Wilson. Please add Corky Long also. Corky is here, but Corky has injured his shoulder, and uh, we'll be seeing a doctor tomorrow. And again, please remember the Hurricane Matthew victims, and please, please remember our elections. Um, I know that probably a number of you have already voted, and I'm very proud of you regardless of who you voted for. Some I might be more proud of than others. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Y'all, I'm sorry. I deal with stress by laughing, and this election is about to stress me out. So I, have, I voted on Thursday. I want you to know I practice what I preach. I went and voted, and I voted the way I felt the Lord would want me to vote, and that's the way I ask you to do. Okay. And um, I, I just, we need to pray for our nation, not just for this election. It doesn't make any difference who the president is. If we don't turn back to God, I'm saying that not because I'm a preacher, but because I'm a citizen of the United States, and I'm proud of that. But I just pray we'll turn back to God. I'm saying this more and more often uh, because I am spending so much time in the hospitals, and I truly this week, most of the time was spent in the hospitals. Uh, don't think that I no longer care about people that are sick at home because I do. And if I don't get to see you, I try to remember you in prayer. And uh, be patient with me. And I thank all that visit um, and, and try and help others out. I thank you so much for what you do. So one of the ways that we can help others is through praying for them. And so let's lift them up in prayer right now. Father, we are so grateful that we can lift others up in prayer. God, so many have been sick. So much has happened this year and even in recent years. And there's still many that are dealing with cancer and Alzheimer's and accidents and God, I just lift them all up to you. I pray that you would strengthen them. And God, we, we pray for family members that stand with them, that you would give them strength too. And God, may they not think that their church family has forgotten about them. And God, may we not forget about them. May we not stop praying for them and expressing love and support and care. God, we look forward to that day when we'll be in heaven and there will be no more sickness and there will be no more pain or separation. But, Father, as we live this life, 
God, help us to dedicate ourselves to serving you and to serving others. Father, may the model for our life be your son. And help us, Lord, that we will not fall prey to self-centeredness and, and just seeing the needs that we have. God, help us to see the love, the needs of others, and to love them in the name of Christ. And even as we pray, Father, we pray that, Lord, they would sense your presence where they're at, hospitals, nursing centers, at home, rehab centers. God, we pray for our country that you might send revival. God, we pray that the church would no longer be silent, but God, we would stand up and we would proclaim the truth in your power and filled with your love. God, how we pray that your will would be done in this election. God, I thank you for the privilege of being an American and being able to vote. And I pray that we would all take it to heart. And God, I, I just pray again that you'll send revival in this nation from the White House down to each of our houses, God, that we'll turn back to you. And in a world that seems to be dominated by faults and evil religions, God, may we turn back to your son. May we not believe that there are many ways to God, but may we trust in the words of your son himself that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Father, bless this hour. Bless the Sunday school and the other worship services. Bless all the activities that will happen here in this church as well as many other churches throughout the world. Bless it all for your honor and glory. And as we pray together, we remember the prayer that your son taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And our verse of the month comes from Psalms 85, verse 6. So let's read this together. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? At this time, I'm going to ask our children to come forward for our children's moment.
few days away. And and you know what? I'm already thinking about, um, have I told y'all about my Christmas tree out in the yard? I tell everything I know. You know that? That's why I talk all the time. But, but me and Ella got this, this Christmas tree. When I was your age, my mother had an outdoor Christmas tree, and I've always wanted one of those. And so I got a Christmas tree from Home Depot, uh, Colorado Blue Tree. It's a fat owl. I promise y'all, that's the name of it. A fat owl, Colorado Blue Tree. It's supposed to get real, real wide and about 20 foot tall. So by the time it gets 20 foot tall, I'm going to have to send Miss Debbie up in life to get up to the top. <laughs>
good example to them and may they see God's love in this family and following him also. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank y'all. Y'all go back to your seats. Good morning. Just a quick reminder, the adult choir is going to sing in revival at Cavale tomorrow night. Um, choir members, be there at 6.30, and we'd love to have anyone come to worship with us. At seven, service starts at 7 o'clock. Stand with me now, and let's sing hymn 361. We've heard the joyful sound. Thank you for your faithful giving to the Lord through this church. Brian, would you ask God to bless these offerings?
Let us pray together. Father, we truly have so much to praise you for. And Lord, we do praise you that your son did it all for me and for each of us. God, we are so grateful that our Savior came for the entire world. And Father, help us to be mindful that we as the church of Jesus Christ have been called to carry this wonderful news throughout the land, throughout our neighborhoods, throughout our communities, throughout the world. And God, help us to search our hearts and see how dedicated we are to your Son and to the gospel. And Father, we know that in the Christian life we go through so many ups and downs. There's so many mountaintops and there's so many valleys. But God, help us on a day-to-day basis that we will live consistently as your children and as your church. And God, we would give our lives, our hearts, our time, our talents. God, we would give these things to you for your honor and glory. And as we read again about your son and about how he taught his disciples, I pray, Father, that the words of Jesus will teach us how to be faithful until you call us home or until you come back for us. Please speak in these moments ahead, for we ask in Christ's name, amen. Three Sundays ago, uh, we had the Lord's Supper, but prior to that, I read these three verses out of John chapter 13 and talked about God's timetable. And I want to kind of finish that up today. But let me again read these verses, John 13, verses 1 through 3. These are familiar verses. Uh, John really doesn't tell us about Jesus doing the Lord's Supper like the other gospel writers do, but he tells us about Jesus becoming a servant and washing the disciples' feet and instructing them that this is an example that he has set. But before that experience, John wrote these words. And again, remember, this is John's commentary of what is going on. Listen to these three verses. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. And folks, these verses introduce the washing of feet by Jesus. But I think there's something so very, very important in these words. Jesus knew the Father's timetable for his life. And in verse 1, John says, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father. In verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God. Folks, I think it's very important for all of us, whether we have trusted Christ as our Savior or whether we are believers, we need to understand that God's got a timetable for our life. And folks, as a Christian, do we believe this? As a person that has trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, do we 
truly believe God has a timetable for our lives. And I'm not just talking about when we're going to die. I'm talking about what God wants to do in and through our lives. And also, I want to ask to those who have not yet trusted Christ as Savior. And listen, I'm just asking an honest question. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm not trying to be coercive. But prior to becoming a Christian and a follower of Christ, do we believe that God's got a timetable for our lives, which includes the time and point that we'll come to know Jesus as the Savior of the world, the Son of God, and our personal Lord and Savior? Because he does. I really believe this. If God sent his son to die for the entire world, then God's got a timetable for everyone born to come to know him. And I think it's so important that in this fast-paced world that you and I live in, that the word of God declares that a timetable, God has got a timetable for our lives, each second, each minute, each hour, each week, each month, each year. God's got a timetable. But here's the question. Are we in line with the timetable that God has got for us? And folks, one of the most precious gifts I think that God has given us outside of salvation is the gift of time. And you see, I believe that we're living in a world that is saying we don't have to honor God with our time. Our lives are ours. We can do what we want to do with our lives. And I just want to point some things out in the scripture, okay? And, and some of this is going to be kind of blunt today, but I think the word of God points out that time is a gift from God and what we do with, with the time God has given us is one of the ways that we can honor him and show that we're following him. But let me just point something out. In the Old Testament, not only does it speak of the seasons of life, and, and I think... It, as we get older, we see the seasons of life, don't we? We, we see being a child, being uh, a young person, being a youth, a young adult, a middle-aged adult, and now I'm seeing what it means to be a senior adult. These are seasons of life. Certain things happen at different seasons of life. But there's some things that the Old Testament especially points out about life. And let me just read these to you. You've heard these often out of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I'm going to read these out of the Living Bible. Just listen to this. You know this passage of Scripture. Songs have been written about it. Um, there's a right time for everything, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to destroy, a time to rebuild, a time to cry a time to laugh, a time to grieve, a time to dance, a time for scattering stones, a time for gathering stones, a time to hug, a time not to hug, a time to find, a time to lose, a time for keeping, a time for throwing away, a time to tear, a time to repair, a time to be quiet. I have a hard time with that one. A time to speak up. I'm just seeing if y'all are listening, okay? A time for loving, a time for hating, a time for war, a time for peace. What is the writer trying to tell us? Folks, time is one of the most precious gifts. And during the times of our lives, many decisions have to be made. And folks, one of the decisions that we make is whether we're going to give ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, let me just point out some realities, okay? We are all going to die and stand before God. 
Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And just as it is appointed for men to die once, after that comes judgment. And folks, Scripture tells us and testifies that every one of us, unless we are here when Christ returns for his church, every one of us is going to die. And from the day that we're born, we have got an appointment set for the time that we're going to die. And as someone has said, we begin to die a little bit each day. And that's why the gift of every day is such a precious thing. At the end of life, according to the word of God, we're going to meet our creator. And we're going to meet our Savior and our Heavenly Father. And we're going to either meet the Lord Jesus in judgment or in joy because we found eternal life in God's Son. And so meeting God is either going to be bad or it's going to be good. And, and let me point something out. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, and again, If you're a visitor here today, you might think I'm being a little bit blunt, but I just want you to, here's realities that we've got to deal with, folks. 2 Corinthians 5.10, written to the church, written to Christians, says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive good or evil according to what he has done in the body. Folks, the word of God teaches specifically that everybody one day will stand before God. There's another very beautiful passage of Scripture where Paul writes that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Whether you believe in him or not now, one day you will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And folks, I'm saying all of this to help you and I understand how important every day is. And you see, God has not only appointed a time in which a person is going to die, but I believe that God has appointed a time for all people to come to faith in Christ. But it doesn't guarantee that we're going to do that. And maybe God is calling out or he's called out to you before and God has said, you're a sinner, you need to repent of sin and you need to turn to me for my son's blood to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and that will make you my child. And instead of seeing your sin and ungodliness, I will see my precious son's blood that has washed your sin away and atoned for your sin. You know, I think the first Sunday we looked at this, I made mention of of the book of Genesis where, where God gave a warning in Noah's day that judgment was coming. And, and let me just, um, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Let me stop for just a minute. How can we know, how can we know that God wants all of us to know his son is our savior? Not only the coming of Christ in John three sixteen, but listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And this is out of the, out of the living Bible. As God's partners, and here Paul is talking about himself and the other missionary workers that are helping him spread the gospel. As God's partners, we beg you not to toss aside this marvelous message of God's great kindness. And you remember as we did the study on grace, one of the synonyms for grace is God's kindness and mercy. And Paul is begging people, do not, do not toss aside the marvelous message of God's grace. 
And listen to what he says. For God says, your cry came to me at a favorable time when the doors of welcome were wide open. I helped you on a day when salvation was being offered. Right now, God is ready to welcome you today. He is ready to save you. And, and many in our world have been confused by Satan to think, well, I'll get saved any time I want to. And folks, that is a lie. Because the Holy Spirit of God must be drawing us to Christ in order for us to be saved. Because you see, it's not a work of, of man, it is a work of God. Amen. And as an example of that, I share again with you the story of Noah. In Noah chapter in, of Noah in the book of Genesis... And let me read to you Genesis 6, 3. Uh, I'm going to be reading this uh, uh, out of the Revised Standard, but then I want to read it to you out of the King James, okay? God says, and you remember, God told Noah to build an ark because men had become so evil that God, it broke God's heart that he'd created man. And because man would not repent and turn to him, judgment was coming. And folks, that doesn't mean that God's an angry and mean God. It means that God is a holy God and sin must face judgment. And so the judgment of God is coming, but he commanded Noah to build an ark as a symbol to the people that they needed to turn away from sin. But the people did not believe it. And listen to what God said in Genesis 6, 3. The Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that for that he is also his flesh, yet his day shall be 120 years. And I used to read that and think, well, back then, this means that the people will live 120 years. But, folks, a better translation of that is God is saying, I will give mankind 120 years to mend his way or to repent. And, folks, here's the point I'm trying to say. In our lives, as God's creation, God on his timetable has many times, I believe, that he is trying to speak to our hearts to say, you need to turn to me, and you need to trust me. You need to trust my son as your personal savior. You cannot be saved by your own good works. You cannot be saved by who you are or what church you attend or are a member of or what baptismal pool you've been baptized in. You must turn to my son and believe in him. And folks, one of the most important things that we can do with our time is give it over to God. But like everything else in life, we make the decisions about what we will do with what God has given to us. And one of the things that we make a decision about is how much time we're going to give God. Now, let me point something out, okay? In the Word of God, there are at least four examples of what we can do with our time. And I just want to quickly mention these, okay? And the first two are the negatives. The last two are the positives, okay? You and I can squander our times, our time, our life. Let me read to you out of Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 13, and you know this story well. It's, it's the story of the prodigal son. But just listen to these three verses that I'm going to read, and it will give us insight on how we can squander what God has given us. Listen to this. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that falls to me. And he divided his living between them. 
Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took his journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in loose living. And folks, you might say, whoa, wait a minute. I thought you were talking about time. This passage is about his squandering his property. And folks, I want you to see, I believe, inside of this story is not only that this father had given property or, or monetary things to his son, but folks, think about how much God gives us. Not only the monetary side, but think about the time, our lives. And folks, surely our life is worth more than money, correct? But not only did this young man squander the property and money, but he squandered his life. And so often during our lifetime, there are a lot of years in our life that we squander, don't we? And and again, I know I've been there. You know, uh, one of the popular saying when I was a teenager was that I've got some wild oats that I want to sow. Well, the Bible says we reap what we sow. And so you better be careful that whatever you're reaping is giving honor to God and not dishonoring God because not only because of the judgment of God, but because of what we do, we'll have to reap the harvest sooner or later. But folks, this young man squandered not only his property, but he squandered his time. Let me ask you something. As a person who has yet come to faith in Christ and also as a Christian, Are we squandering the time that God has given us that we can be serving in his kingdom and doing his work? A second example of of misuse of, of what God has given us is the rich man found in Luke chapter 12. And this is not on the overhead, so let me let me let me read those verses to you, okay? And you'll know this story well. He thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, and listen to how many times the expression I will is used here. I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. There I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God says, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and not, is not rich toward God. And folks, the point in all of this is that God had blessed this man, and there's no doubt about that. And God blesses all of us. That's his desire to bless us. Amen. But guess what? This man gave himself credit, and he kept talking about, I will, I will, I will. He had a plan for his life that was opposite than the plan of God. Those are the two negatives. Squandering our time or saying, this is my life, this is my time, I'll take ease, drink, and be merry. Listen to the next two examples and compare the I will in Psalms 104 verse 33 with the I will of Luke chapter 12. And listen to this. In Luke chapter 12, the the rich man has made all of his plans and said what I will do. Listen to the psalmist. Look at this verse very closely. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have 
my being. Folks, the psalmist recognized that the life he had had been given him by God. And he would use the life that God had given him to sing and praise God. And, and folks, I, I don't, the image I have in this man's, in my mind of this man is not that he sang 24 hours a day. But everything that he did, he tried to give praise and honor and glory to God. Amen. And are we there yet as Christians? Amen. Probably not. I'm not. Every time I read this verse, I think about all the plans I'm making, you know. But look, the psalmist said, as long as I live, while I have being, this is what I'm going to do. God's going to be number one. And his plan, his timetable is going to be what I focus on. And there's a fourth example, Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. As Christians that are seeking to bring the world to Christ, we would make the most of our time here on this earth. Listen to this. Paul said, conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders making the most of the time. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders. And he's not just talking about people that are not in his class, but he's talking about people that aren't believers. Making the most of the time. You know what I believe Paul is talking about? As Christians seeking to bring our world to Christ, praying, worshiping God, Growing in our faith in Jesus Christ, whether it is through Bible study or being taught the word of God or witnessing or doing Christ-like deeds, would we give our lives as Christians our time to God for him to teach us and in turn we would become greater witnesses to the world? And I want to say this does not mean that we would become monks at monasteries, shutting ourselves away from an evil world and not having any fun. Because I want to remind you again of the words of our Lord in John 10.10. I came or I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. The best life and most exciting life and most fulfilling life we can ever have is when we are living in the will of God and living by his timetable. It does not mean that we'll not have time with family and friends. It does not mean that we won't have fulfillment in life. It does mean we'll carry a cross. But that cross will lead to joy unspeakable. I still can't get over the Apostle Paul writing from prison, especially in the book of Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And Paul writing from prison, I am content whatever state I am in. And you know, how many of us can truly say that we're happy anymore? You can read it on people's faces. You know, if you go to the mall, which I don't go very often, but you'd think they'd be some of the happiest people in the world, you know, flashing cash and credit cards, I mean, buying stuff. But stuff can't make us happy, folks. Let me get to the point. To be like our Savior, we must understand and believe that God has a heavenly timetable for our lives. And, and this is where we started, and quickly I'm going to conclude this sermon, but I want to just listen. More than any other gospel writer, John emphasized that Jesus was on a heavenly timetable. And let me give you scriptural 
evidence of that, okay? John 2, 4, and this is in the miracle of turning the water to wine. Jesus said to his mother, my hour has not yet come. What was that hour? The hour in which he would die and be raised from the dead and ascend back to the Father. That was the timetable. That was the hour that he was working toward. In John chapter 7, and this is John's commentary. They're trying to arrest Jesus. But listen to what John says. They sought to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him because his hour had not yet come. John eight twenty. The Pharisees, again, are seeking to arrest Jesus. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not come. In John chapter 12, verse 23, And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Jesus now is headed toward the cross, and he knows the hour is coming. In John 13 that we read, Jesus knew his hour had come to depart out of the world and go to the Father. In John 17, 1, Jesus is praying. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that thy son may glorify thee. Folks, do you and I know what hour it is in our life? If you're not a Christian, do you understand that God created you with a purpose? And that purpose includes knowing him and knowing his love through his son. And that's what we call being saved. That moment in time and life when we, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, understand that we're lost sinners and we cannot save ourselves. The only way we can be saved is through trusting him who came and died for our sins that we might be set free. And, and I would like to ask you, again, no coercion intended here, but it's the day that the Lord Jesus wants you to give your heart to him. And if you've already done that, but you've never made it public, it's the day that the Lord wants you to confess him before men. Listen to 2 Peter 3.9. God doesn't wish that any of us perish but all come to eternal life. Listen to this. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is forbearing toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. And then listen to Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Folks, why am I saying this? Number one, don't let your relationship with Jesus be starved because you are afraid to confess him before men. Satan wants you to sit down and be quiet and not say anything about your walk with the Lord. Don't let your relationship with Christ be starved. Be more than just saved. Be a disciple, a learner. Be a witness for the Lord. Be someone who's growing into his will and serving him. And as the psalmist says, all of my life I'm going to sing praise to him. And folks, and, and I'm saying this now because I'm getting older. I really mean this. And I'm not saying this because I'm a preacher. 
But would you let your family know that you've trusted Christ as your Savior? Especially some of us older folks. Don't leave your children and grandchildren wondering, did my father or grandfather or mother or grandmother, did they go to heaven? Let them know that you've trusted Christ as your Savior. Folks, it's a, it's a glorious thing to me when you, you hear at a funeral someone, some preacher say, this person had made a, a relationship with Christ years ago as they had yielded or even in the last hour before they died. Folks, don't go to death's door thinking, I don't know if I can trust what the preacher said or not. Don't trust me, trust Jesus. And if the Holy Spirit of God is, is striving to bring you to faith in Christ, would you come? Amen. Folks, the most serious decision you'll ever make in your life is whether you trust Christ or reject him. But as Christians, and let's carry this one step farther. God saved us with a purpose. But is that purpose a reality in our lives as Christians? How long have we been saved? But also we could ask the question, how long have we been committed to God's plan for our lives as Christians? Folks, I, just as I would beg a person who is lost to come to faith in Christ, I would beg you as a Christian, don't put off growing as a Christian Don't put off as a Christian seeking God's power to do his will in your life and in my life. Don't put off being a witness to those you think might not yet know Christ as their Savior. And I'm not in any way, I'm not trying to put pressure on you. I'm trying to get you to deal with the reality of life. It can end abruptly. And whatever you plan on doing for the Lord Jesus Christ... Would we not do it right now? And I'll conclude with this story. One of the greatest men of my life was my Uncle Boyd, who was my father figure. And I'm, I know I've told you this story before. My uncle took me under his wing. He and my aunt didn't have any children. And from the time that I was about four or five years old, I was his shadow. He was the first one to take me fishing. He was the first one to take me hunting. He was the first one to give me a shotgun. He loved me. And I thought that after I went off to college, I'd learn more about the Bible and I'd be a better witness. And I thought when I went to seminary, if I ever get out of seminary, then I can share my faith with my uncle. My first semester at seminary, I got a phone call that at the age of 49 years old, while mowing grass, he had collapsed and had a massive heart attack. And I don't know if my uncle's going to be in heaven or not. It burdens my soul that I would not take the time. He knew that I loved him. He knew that I believed. He knew that I was going off to school to be a preacher, but he never heard me sit down and say, may I explain what it means to be a Christian? It's more than going to church. It's more than just reading a Bible and praying. It is about a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 
And because all of us are sinners, we need that relationship. And I wonder, I wonder if I'll see. I don't know how things are going to work out in heaven. But I sure hope I see him there. I know that it's God's will for everyone to be saved. And so surely along my, my uncle's life's path, God's spirit spoke to him or tried to draw him. But God's spirit spoke to me about being a witness to him, and I kept putting it off. And again, folks, I'm just asking you to deal with reality of life. God's got a timetable. As a lost person, is it your hour to be saved? As a born-again Christian who knows the Lord, is it, is it God's timetable for us now and for the church to stand up and follow Jesus and stop talking about it in church but doing it outside the walls of this building. Jesus knew his hour had come. May God help us to know the hour has come for us to come to Christ or to be in his will serving him. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your son. And I thank you, Father, that his life reveals many things to us, most especially the timetable that you have for each one of our lives. And God, today, because your spirit is here, because you're speaking to hearts, if there's someone who, who needs to trust your son as their savior, and Father, we know that, Lord, they must do that freely. They must make the decision. But Lord, we just lift them up to you and pray that they would realize that they are a sinner and believe that Jesus is your son and he died to save them. And God, I pray for all of us as Christians. God, may we be faithful. May we not put off serving you and growing in Christ and being your witness because we don't know what your timetable is. God, help us right now to follow your son and to be obedient to him. For we ask in Christ's name, amen. Our hymn this morning is number 34, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And I just encourage you, as the Spirit of God speaks to you, would you make that decision? It's time. The hour is now to follow the Savior, whether it's to come to be saved or come to follow him. Let us stand as we sing 434.
Thank you. 